1: All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So I am very excited about the guest that we have today. I mean, he's uh, built a few companies now, and uh, he's definitely now on, a, on the next one, a rocket ship. And we're going to be talking, to about, you know, building in Latin America and all that good stuff. So I guess without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Santiago Molina. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much, Alejandro. Very honored to be here with you.
1: So, Santiago, you were born in Cali. Uh obviously, you know, you grew up there during a time of conflict. You know, I'm sure it was not easy. Uh, but how was life growing up? Give us a little of a walk through memory lane.
0: Perfect. Okay, so first of all, um I got lucky at 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 birth, won the lottery, uh, was born to loving parents who prize dedication of all. So I got to go to the best school in the city and and They actually made an effort, and it was a little bit above our means, but they made it possible. But going to to school and growing up in the 90s in Colombia, it it was quite an experience because we grew up in the middle of a very violent um, situation, very violent environment. And very soon, by the end of the 90s, we got uh, a housing crisis one decade before the U.S. had it. And everything really went bust. So we were in this very violent country with a lot of conflict, seeing everything going wrong. And that just builds grit in you. That just builds you character and shows you that anything is possible. And not until I left Kali did I realize that what I was born in and what I grew up in wasn't normal. And that same city was the one that built the founders of Rapi, Chipper, Adi. All these guys were born in the same same, uh, environment, raised around the same time. And I think we owe our entrepreneurial spirit and our grit to that experience.
1: That's incredible. No kidding. I mean, when you're dealt with uncertainty, then to a certain degree, you're able to be with uncertainty a little bit better. Now, and I find that that's what we need to embrace as entrepreneurs. Now, in your case, at 18 years old, you know, it sounds like you were a good kicking the ball. So kicking the ball, you know, you were able to kick it far. You came to the U.S. So tell us about that experience, too. All
0: right. So when I graduated high school, I was fortunate enough to earn a, a full ride to play soccer in the U.S. Um, so I took upon it and and moved to the U.S. to get my college degree and 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 play play soccer, which was a really formidable experience. And then, as as I say often, athletics builds a discipline in you that very few things can. And and I, I now today I tend to hire athletes more than anything because I I see what what it builds.
1: And what about leadership? What did you learn about leadership from playing soccer? Especially you were. Uh, on the defense side of things, you know that's like the last line before the, um, you know the, the the player from the other team, you know is going to be facing the goalie and potentially making a goal. So you were there, you know the last line of of, of the battlefield. So so what did that teach you about leadership too? Uh, yeah, I mean when you are
0: when you're the defense, same as it happens with the goalkeeper, you never get the praise. You don't you don't get to celebrate the goals you make. You're only uh, chastised if if you make mistakes. So you always need to perform, but you never get the praise for what you do. So it's it's humbling, and you learn to to play that way and lead that way.
1: Now, in your case, I mean, you ended up uh, helping out the um the the team of of the girls there at university, and that allowed you to get your MBA as well. Uh, but in your case. You didn't want to stay in the US? What happened? Why did you move back to, to Colombia?
0: Yeah, so so that that experience, that was actually my first job, assistant coach to the women's soccer team. And one of the beauties about that opportunity is that I got to work with women, solely women, teenage fairly uh teenage adult women, and I learned to lead, motivate, and get the most out of out of women. And I think that was a huge opportunity. Because it prepared me for being a leader later in life, and then when I was graduating, I I really wanted to come back to the region and, and make an impact, make a difference. So as soon as I graduated my BA, I decided to come back to the to Colombia and work in in investment banking, impact investment banking actually.
1: And in fact, I mean, before you went at it as an entrepreneur, you did investment banking as a, as you were alluding to, and then you did private equity. But I think that one of the things that I see a lot is people that come on the show is that they either have the consulting background, the investment banking background, or the investor background, either on PE or on VC. But in your case, you have two of them. So I guess, how do you think it has helped you later on, you know, now that you're an entrepreneur, the investment banking or being able to perhaps see, you know, what separates good companies from bad companies and deals that end up, you know, going through? Or perhaps, you know, your experience too as an investor, as a private equity investor, where you develop pattern recognition, you know, for identifying winners.
0: Yeah, so investment banking is a wonderful school because it teaches you discipline. It gets you to see a lot of industries and find those drivers that make companies successful. But in the end, what you also realize is that the true stars of the shows are the, the entrepreneurs, the owners of the company that wants to build it. You're there just for that transaction. Um, and that's what got me in love with becoming one of them. I wanted to be one of those guys we were advising because those were the real stars that built the business that we were now transacting. But, but yeah, that discipline and that, that ability to look at the details and see what the drivers of businesses are Make a huge difference when you when you go out to build your your own company
1: so what what, what were some of those uh, things that uh, that you found you know on those companies that uh, you were involved with, you know whether when you were an investment banker or when you were an investor at the private equity firm, what were some of the key tra- traits that you found like maybe like those the top three that you found from those that you know went on to do great things?
0: I'd say the first one, you start understanding cash cycles, cash conversion cycles, understanding how how the money flows in the business and how much money you need to produce more money. Um, that's probably the, the main one that not everybody understands. The second one is scalability, how much additional energy you have to add to create something bigger and how replicable it can be. That will be number two, and number three is where are the efficiencies? What are the levers you can play with to find efficiencies in your business to optimize profitability, which is the end game of a business.
1: So while you are at the private equity firm, you know also it becomes more and more obvious that you still you still want to build your own business. I mean you you, you were feeling that when you're on the investment banking side you thought that going to the private equity side you know it would get you closer it would really feel you know that gap that the that you that, that you had there for you but it sounds like it was not the case and eventually you know it's time to take action it's time to take ownership of your own future and building something yourself. So when when did that moment happen? Totally.
0: So I, I wanted to get my hands dirty, you know? I wanted to put my hands in the machine and get them greasy and start building stuff and, and really make changes. So what really happened was I was starting to get involved very deep with one of our portfolio companies. I, st- I tried to call some shots and they immediately stopped me and they were like, no, I mean, you're the associate at the private equity. You're, you don't call the shots. And that's where I was, no, I, I want to be in the game. I want to be part of the game. That's when I decided I had to quit and build my own,
1: my own company. So what happened
0: next? So I quit right away without, without a plan, without an idea. I was like, I'm just going to force myself into building a company. I started chatting with a good friend of mine from childhood who had complementary backgrounds to mine. And we said, let's, let's build a company. And that's how Finamiga Unidos was born in 2013.
1: So what was the uh, business model there of Finamiga Unidos for the people that are listening to really get it?
0: Yeah. So we were always trying to find something that generated impact. So we went after a microfinance institution uh, trying to blend different underwriting methodologies to, to bring access to financing to the un- underbanked. That's what Finamiga Unidos does. It it, it It's a... It, it's focusing on financial inclusion lending money to those that are not underbanked.
1: and you did that for about 8 years uh you guys raised you know quite a bit of money to uh in debt i think it was like 25 million bucks so how how do you i mean i guess that that here you know you also learned about how to be effective when it comes to raising debt you know there's a lot of people right now on the on on listening to us that are more used to or more familiar with other forms of capital, like perhaps equity, right? What uh, what people would raise from investors, but how how why was the um the debt side of things you know so um helpful for you guys to to really build the operation? And how should people think about debt capital?
0: For debt capital, you need to see yourself just as an intermediary. What you're doing is finding a allocation for resources that can generate a higher return. And then in the middle, you're in the middle, taking a cut and transferring to the next part. In order for that to work, you have to be both efficient right? and you have to have a, a performing portfolio. The numbers need to add up. So you're basically playing with smaller margins and you need to be very careful with how you operate your business because you there has to be enough space for you to make a profit, for there to be a loss rate, and for the investor to get their money back with their return, so it's 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 actually you you need more discipline in order for this to work, and that's and it, uh, the magic about uh, about that. Yeah, uh, you have to have the numbers right, and you have to be very responsible with how you you manage that money.
1: I mean, with Finamiga, what an impact! Over thirty-five thousand loans, five thousand families. You know, it's just like absolutely incredible the the impact that you guys had you know with Finamiga Unidos so why did you switch gears here i mean it sounds like you you guys were pushing you know a really amazing operation so what what happened there i know that you received a phone call and that phone call changed you know the course of action for you but how how did that happen? I mean, if you if I was to be pushing an operation like this, there's no way I would have gotten distracted. So why did you feel the need for really taking that call seriously?
0: Yeah, so I'm a builder. I like to build things. Panama uh, was at a point where it was very profitable, growing aggressively, but it already worked. Everything was already in place. We had a great management team, a great product. Everything was already Working at was missing the adrenaline of building from scratch and and and, and building solutions, so that's when uh, my co-founder Tomas uh, called me one day so he, he's he's an expert in in logistics he 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 led Mersk in Mexico and central america the the largest shipping line in the world. then he started his own freightful water that operates colombia mexico u s and china. He called me one day and he's like, "Santi, I need your help. My clients are s in colombia and in mexico they're doing import operations and nobody gives them financing to operate this their businesses it's the only thing they lack in order to be successful i was like well that needs resonates with me let me let me let me look it up so i started researching came across the trade finance gap which is a, a very well documented case and Realized that LATAM needs approximately approximately three hundred and fifty billion dollars to fund that gap in the region for SMBs for importing SMBs, and, and when I saw the number and the and the impact that we could build and how we could merge a, a world of logistics with finance that it it, it hasn't been uh, mixed very different worlds. I I I said, hey, I I gotta jump with this. I mean, this is. Uh, huge impact that I can make and it can really make a difference for the region if I can get this to work.
1: And obviously that's not a an easy jump because you had, you know, this other baby, you know, that you had built for eight years plus. So how was that transition to make sure that you would leave people, you know, in a good place and that, you know, you could also, you know, still be involved and and help out while at the same time, you know, you're taking this massive endeavor, which is and they were of really building another thing from the ground up,
0: right? So, the the hardest part was breaking away with my co-founder. I mean, we built that company with our bare hands and built it from the ground up. But fortunately, he he understood what drove me. He understood the passion that I had for building things, and he said, "I mean, it's it's your dream. I support you." I, I he knew I wouldn't leave him behind. I'm still. A board member and, and and I speak with him often and help him in any way I can, but fortunately the the company was at a point where it was already mature and and it actually had and still has the best performing portfolio in the industry
1: so it was it was in a in good shape to to leave behind hey guys, so pardon the interruption here, so I gotta tell you that you know for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired. You don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either With that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com, and we would love to take a look at helping you out. So then let's talk about Fincargo. So Fincargo, you know, comes to life. You know, now it's a problem that you can't get out of your head. You know, you're able to have this conversation with your co-founder, uh, you leave things on a really high note and you're even still involved now helping him out and, and the company out. And now FinCargo is in the mix. So so, so for the people that are listening to really get it, what ended up being the business model of FinCargo? How do you guys make money?
0: Right. So with Tomas, what we realized is that we had two very different worlds, very distant worlds. You had the finance industry and you have the logistics industry. And whenever you're shipping goods, you have goods going one way and money flowing the other way. So they're part of a transaction, but you play it all out through different channels. So what I told Tomas is, if we're going to build this, we need, first of all, somebody that is capable of bringing these two worlds into a single platform and having them interact and transact in a single place. So we brought on our third co-founder, Andres who's been doing turnarounds in tech companies for the past 20 years. He's got two exits under his belt. Uh, we brought him on board, and between the three of us, what we envisioned was a platform where emerging market SMBs can transact in a single place. They can control their supply chain. They can have visibility. They can hire the different services but they can all manage everything through one single dashboard all with embedded financing so that not only can they trade control contract but they can finance their whole operation because 90% of international trade is financed so without access to financing you're doomed and that's the case in latam and that's what we're out to solve
1: so typically on a on a on a business like this i mean it's a how do you think about like for example like the, the the biggest problem that you've seen you know in really building this company i mean what would you say has been especially at the beginning what really kept you up at night because it sounds like a complex business to really put together when it comes to you know trade when it comes to commerce i mean all of those different things blending in so what kept you up at night especially during the early days the
0: hardest part was mixing a really strict square world like finance, where everything is set, everything is built, everything is really standardized, with a very volatile world like is logistics, where you have a lot of moving parts and you have delays and changes in time in timings constantly. It's highly unpredictable and highly volatile. So developing a financial product that can adjust to the necessities of of logistics and having the world of logistics uh blend and adapt to the finance world was the biggest challenge and the only way to do to do that was through technology by allowing these two worlds to live in a single platform and being able to connect both so that there's a margin of error of error on both and they can live within that margin of error so so that was the biggest challenge that that was What kept us up at night for the first for the past two years? We've been around for a little bit less than two years, but we finally managed to crack it, and that explains why 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 it's it's booming.
1: And also, you guys have been booming too when it comes to the employee count. How many people do you guys have now in the company? We're at seventy eight. I mean, that's a lot of people in such a short period of time. How did you go about onboarding people? You know, and making sure that the culture wouldn't break.
0: That was that was one of the beauties, cultural wise. So we had to bring in experts in logistics, experts in finance, expert, experts in FX, experts in international trade. So when you blend all these worlds together, what what happens magically is that all egos disappear because everybody realizes they don't know anything about the other worlds. So first first off, you have no stars you have no shining stars everybody's humbled because they're in the learning process and that's where the magic starts to happen because as everybody's learning they're starting to share their experiences and their knowledge and you start putting them together to to basically bring to life a whole new world of opportunities um and that's been part of the magic within kind Vincar- Nobody knows everything, so everybody's chipping in their part of wisdom.
1: And in terms of capital, how much capital have you guys raised to date, you know, between debt and equity for the operation?
0: So we raised our $7.5 million round in January of 2022, uh, which that really pushed us to to grow scale uh, throughout the year. And then we closed on a $75 million credit facility in September and started operating in, in October. So.
1: Adding both up, that's $84.5 million. And also, you know, like one thing that, that comes to mind here is you were able to land incredible VCs. I mean, you have Pair VC, you have Flybridge. I mean, those are not people from Mexico or Colombia. I mean, we're talking about some of the biggest names in the VC world, especially out of the U.S. So being in Latin America, how do you go about I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are right now tuning in and and listening and and i'm and they're wondering too hey, I'm outside of the u s how 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 can I also you know learn here from the experience of Santiago? How did he do it? How were you able to land these people from the u s
0: so uh first of all the, the the beauty about what we're building is that we're global from day one when you're doing international trade. You're global from day one. So we've actually connected LATAM to 39 countries around the world in six continents. And that really brought, brought the attention of investors because they saw we were solving a real problem that has global impact. Because the same problem we're solving in right now in operations in Colombia Mexico can be applied to the Middle East, can be applied to Southeast Asia. So every, the the investors understood that we were solving a global problem starting with Latam. And second, we were lucky enough where we managed to put together a team of investors that covered everything that we needed. So we needed a fintech global fintech-focused fund, and we got Quona to lead around. And then we needed a SaaS-specialized fund. That's where we brought Flybridge in, and, and, and they have just amazing experience running SaaS products. And then we eventually we want to go into Brazil. So we brought on board Maja and One VC. Then we had also the the the, the support of Pair VC that has great experience as well of building companies from from the C stage up. So, so we got really lucky and got to pick the best of the best.
1: So when you say support, you know everyone really wants an investor that is supportive and active. Investor right, an investor that is able to add value, what does support look like? because obviously when when we're hearing you here you know mentioning it, I mean it sounds and it looks like you really know and see on a daily basis what that support looks like from your investor. So how do you use that support what, how how that support really pushes you farther?
0: truly totally. so support comes in many ways. It can come in forms of intros to other players that can add value to what you're doing. Support comes in the in the form of experience because they've seen a lot of deals come through and they've seen the way a lot of companies work. So, for example, in the fintech side, they can help you with cross-border payments and how to optimize for that, how to optimize for funding, how to optimize for infrastructure, how to optimize for hiring, because they've seen so many companies. They know a lot about it. They, it can also come in the form of establishing operations or hiring because they're on the ground that they know the market where they're in. Or it even comes in the, in the form of what you prioritize to build, knowing exactly what will allow you to have a solid base to grow upon. So support comes in many ways, uh, experience being one, connections, network, and uh, and, uh Knowledge.
1: So now imagine you go to sleep tonight, Santiago, and you wake up in a world where the vision of Incargo is fully realized. What does that world look like?
0: This is a world where SMBs in emerging markets can connect across border and buy from anyone in the world, having full visibility and control of their entire supply chain in one single dashboard. That's one place for the
1: entire supply chain. I mean that's that 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 looks like an absolutely beautiful world. So I I'm wondering here, you know, as you're thinking too about, you know, how to how to get there. You know, obviously, you know, you have those different life cycles of as a company and some of the things that you need to break through, you know, in order to get you there. So how are you guys thinking about, you know, the company maturing from one cycle to the next and how are you guys preparing yourselves to be able to achieve, you know, those, uh, those growth, uh, you know, shifts, you know, uh, in a powerful way.
0: It, it all come, comes down to building a strong base. You mm-hmm. need to make sure your foundations are strong enough. Uh, we've built a very strong foundation on the, building the rails for these international trade transactions to work and having logistics and finance uh, blend together. The biggest pain point of our clients is access to financing. So we had to solve that first. And the way I, I, I tell it is, I see it as the barge. You have to make sure the barge floats. And once you have your barge floating, you can put on top all the other services and revenue streams and operations you need. But first you need that barge to float. And we've really focused that on that. And that what's what speaks wonder of what we're building. We've we've done over ninety billion dollars worth of financing of merchandise and have less than one percent default rate because we built that barge to work. Now, on top of that, once we've solved the problem for these S and to trade internationally, now they can start contracting all the rest of the services through us and transacting through a platform that just makes their life easier.
1: And I guess, you know, like uh, Latam, obviously, you know, you've uh, you've had your, your experience with the U.S., not only, you know, being here, but then also with the investors that you have been able to land. And Latam was a little bit green when it came to the venture, you know, world and to being able to have the access to the tools and resources. I know that it has been, you know, uh, changing and developing, but is it getting easier to, to, to be an entrepreneur there? So.
0: Latam has gone a long way uh, from in the past, I'd say three years. The past three years, Latam has gone a long way. We've we've all benefited from the success of the earlier unicorns that, that rose in the region. So now you have you see more interest in startups, more people wanting to bet bigger, wanting to build things, wanting to find solutions. So both on the side of talent, you have people with better experience that's, that 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 just starts permeating into the whole industry and Investors from outside of of the region now see that success is possible in the region, want to bet on it. So so it's it's evolving very much so, and the U.S. works. I mean, the U.S. just works in Latin. There are so many things you have to fix that the opportunities are just endless.
1: Yeah, no, I can totally get that. So so Santiago, if I was to put you into a time machine, and I bring you back in time, I bring you back in time to. Maybe that point when you were at the private equity firm, super frustrated because you wanted to build. You wanted to build. You wanted to do something of your own. Imagine you were able to go back in time and have a sit down with that younger self. And being able to give that younger self one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now?
0: I tell him to take bigger risks, to dream bigger, and to fail faster. I
1: love that. That's very profound. Now, for the people that are listening, that would love to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so?
0: Best way to be on LinkedIn.
1: Amazing. Easy enough. Well, Santiago, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker show today. It has been an honor to have you with us.
0: Alejandro, the honor is mine. It's been a wonderful experience. Thank you very much.
1: If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic.